Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to another 2023 bonus off-season episode. You are listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football fan podcast and a proud member of the Herd at Sports Network. My name is Ben and I am joined by my friend and co-host Drew. Thanks Ben and thank you everybody for joining us. During the Nebraska football season, Ben and I profile craft breweries, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. And in the off-season we pretty much do that too, but with slightly less regularity. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at wannabewalkons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On today's episode, Drew and I will give our thoughts on Matt Rule's first spring camp, preview Nebraska spring game, and sample craft beer from Grand Island's Prairie Pride Brewing Company. I'm Ben. And I'm Drew. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. So, Drew, before we get started, I should warn our listeners, if you hear uh, an echo or if the smell of polyurethane seeps in through this podcast, (laughs) please forgive us as we're recording in my garage as our uh, studio, which has been my basement, is currently under renovation right now, which will sound nice and insulated and and things of that nature uh, in the near future. We're upgrading just like Nebraska. We're getting better facilities. There we go. So we're going to have a nice new space to record in, but for right now, you're just going to have to deal with this slightly echoey chamber and um, recording next to trash cans and (laughs) a bunch of materials for finishing the basement. Yes, but also next to beer. Yeah, we are right next to the beer fridge, which is a huge upgrade as well. And we don't have to go upstairs to go to the bathroom if we need to take a bathroom break. This is true. So, I mean, there's two stairs from the garage. (laughs) These are all visual gags for everyone who's watching (laughs) our, our podcast in their mind's eye. So welcome to Wannabe Walk-Ons. This is a nice little recap that we're going to do of the uh, spring camp and the spring season and everything that's kind of going on. It's going to be a little loosey-goosey, which I think is is a fun way to go about this stuff and just kind of talk. We don't always just talk. Right. We're pretty regimented, I think, with our... I feel like we always have like a plan going into it. And here we don't have a plan, which is (laughs) (laughs) so great. Um, But I got to talk to you about a spring season of my own. Yes. As we've talked about on the last episode, I don't know if you remember, 
because the last episode you'd come off extreme beer fest, but uh, I'm coaching youth soccer and I brought American football into my six-year-old youth soccer's team. This is like the, the sh- what's the show on Apple? Ted Lasso? Yeah, Ted Lasso. Yeah, I'm like Ted Lasso, um, but without any of the skill. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, but, you know, we'd been, we were talking before we started recording, and you kind of asked, like, what was my game plan? And I said, oh, I, this is a story. Yeah. So when it came to preparing for this, this soccer thing, I had been reading some books on, like, coaching psychology uh, for kids of that age. I had been reading books on just drills and things like that. I'm not a soccer player. The last time I played soccer, I was younger than my six-year-old and I was picking flowers and trash up off the field. Like that's, that's how I played. <laughs> the soccer. perfect candidate to coach. <laughs> you guys are giving yeah. a great effort. <laughs> and for you guys over there on the field, actually playing the game, you're doing great too, I assume. Yeah. So I don't really know much about soccer or strategy. Um, so I've just been listening to what the YMCA has to say about like how to go about coaching. You focus on one skill a week. Uh, you manage expectations and you just kind of help the kids get to a point to where they're just having fun and they aren't really thinking and they're just enjoying themselves out in the field, but they're, they're, they're developing skills. So not a huge ask, uh, but I have a team that's very motivated to win. They're very much a team that at any point a goal is scored. They're like, coach, is this the score now? And I'm like, yeah, I think that, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, that's the score, but why are you worried about that? Like we want to win. So during our first game, I noticed that defense was kind of lacking for our team and, okay. and the, the kids really wanted to win and and we were down by two goals and so I changed the strategy into setting up a defensive line for my soccer team where I would literally have them line up hands on their knees in a line shoulder to shoulder and when the other team kicked off they would run as an entire line together and they'd get the ball and they would just push forward. No way. Okay. So that is our new defensive strategy on the <laughs> soccer team. And I don't know if that's allowed. I don't know if that's normal in soccer, but I just tell them get in the defensive line and they line up on defense and it brings so much joy to my heart. And then I get to line up behind them. Like I'm the safety in the backfield. Just, <laughs> ready I just to watch. yeah, I just see these. It's like a kickoff coverage, right? It, like there's just like a this wall of people flying down yeah, the field. So what, what, what happens in this age of, of soccer is, you know, it turns into what do they call it? Like beehive soccer where everyone just con- is a conglomerate around the ball. Okay. And what we've kind of worked on is spreading the ball out and spreading our team out, which is helpful because then if the ball sneaks through, we're not a big group or a big bunch and we're able to move forward. So we have like the defense kind of just all move as this solid wall and then we're spread out so that we can go get the ball and, and move forward. And it's been successful and it stopped the other team. And so we carried it on into the next week. Uh, and, and it's been a lot of fun to coach these kids cause they, they want to have fun. They want to go out there and give their best, but they also want to win, yeah. which I want to win. I mean, I don't want to lose, but I also don't want to like over celebrate when a six year old scores a goal. Like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's so, all about balance. I will really say is- as somebody who loves watching soccer and, and, um, and understands the game at least a little bit. Uh, I do cringe a little bit uh, with the idea that you're teaching these kids like we can just get in a wall and just fly forward at the ball like it like probably at this age yeah that's a great strategy obviously um in in an actual game like that would be very very dangerous oh it absolutely like, would it really would and there's no goalies <laughs> you're in this pushing league, forward so like, yeah the counter attack they could get you yeah um, but that's okay no if whatever works and honestly whatever makes them enjoy themselves and love the game. Like if they're, if it's a competitive bunch, like I think that's important that you do kind of feed into that yeah. because it, it, that's 
you te- you're teaching them how to use that fuel in a positive way as a team working together towards yeah. that goal. And I will say too, we had a game uh, where we got up very early and we stayed up and the other team wasn't scoring at all. They weren't moving the ball at all. And I'm not one of those coaches that just keeps piling it on. So our team would line up in a defensive line in front of our own goal and they weren't allowed to go after the ball until the other team crossed half field okay, or midfield or, yeah. you know, so we're, we're, we are respectful with how we do it, but when they get to a point to the world, like coach, we're down, what do we do? It's like, okay, well, I know that we have this strategy that in this specific league is very effective. <laughs> so let's line up in a straight line. As soon as they kick the ball, go get it. Yeah. And, and it's been a lot of fun, man. It's That's fun awesome. to watch. I'm yeah. glad you're enjoying it. And it sounds like the kids are enjoying it too, which is yeah. awesome. And, yeah, yeah. My kiddo's doing well. He scored a goal each game, which is, which is always fun. You know, he gives a great effort. And then Coach's afterwards, kid. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's 100% Nepo baby. He is, it is nepotism. <laughs> no, you know, what's kind of funny about my kid, though, is he doesn't like any of the snacks. He's not a snack kid. Really? Yeah. What? We've brought, How is we've that? brought Rice Krispie treats. We've had like Swiss rolls, those chocolate Swiss oh, rolls. Oh, heck yeah, all the little Debbie's. Yeah, um, Kool-Aid jammers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gatorade, all of it. Wow. And he's like, yeah, I don't want any of that. What does he do to fuel up? What does he do to fuel up? Yeah. Uh, he plays Star Wars video games. <laughs> and then he's like, it's <laughs> time to go. Pure adrenaline. <laughs> yeah. He, the, the, yeah. It's, it's been a blast. He's enjoyed it, which has been great. You know, it's, it's always nice to, to bond with your kiddos over fun oh, stuff yeah. like this. And, and I wasn't expecting to go into this coaching. They needed volunteers. I said, well, I can be a warm body. Um, and then it's a warm body reading on psychology <laughs> for six year olds playing soccer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> That's my version of being a warm body is yeah. being prepared. Um, parents have all been great. Kids have all been great. And and it's just been a, a wonderful experience. And we've got a great uh, role model in Matt Rule on how to be a coach and kind of leading that ship. And so seeing some of that accountability and wanting the kids to be individuals and celebrate and have fun and all that stuff, you know, it also helps to watch that stuff and just be like, this is the kind of role models we have in the state on the biggest level. And even though he's not coaching soccer, uh, I can still take some of that stuff too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully his stuff leads him to a two and zero start yeah. as well. Yeah. If in the second game, uh, the other team gets blanked the same way that we blanked the other team, I don't think anyone's going to be complaining about that. And I think if in the first game they win in a close one in the fourth quarter, I would be okay with that. That would a be w a pretty good start. A w. So. I'll let you know how the rest of the games go, and then I'll predict the Nebraska this season. Is, based this is going to be the thing that gets me through the off season is following your youth soccer team. Uh, we end in May, so you're. God damn it. <laughs> and John oh. has no interest in playing baseball, so yeah. Well, I would say it's it's time to. Uh, move into our specialty, which is talking about beer before we talk about football. And here we've got an amber from uh, Prairie Pride Brewing Company, which is a really nice beer. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, it's time that we get back to talking about a brewery and doing a little bit of a brewery profile. How's that sound? Let's do it. Have you had Prairie Pride before? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, awesome. I have not. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I like is, Prairie Pride. Yeah, I, I've heard great things. Uh, some of the breweries that we've sampled in the past, like Canyon Lakes, when I asked what are your favorites, they were like Prairie Pride, hands yeah. down, Prairie Pride. So Prairie Pride Brewing Company opened in 2017. It's located in Nebraska's fourth largest city, fifth on game day, in Grand Island. The brewery owned by brew chief Jay Mack, great name, head brewer Alex Briner, and owners Amos Anson, another great name, Phil Cahoy and Brad Shear, got its start, uh, as most craft breweries do, with a pair of home brewers on a mission. 
Nearly three decades ago, Jay Mack began home brewing after watching a program on TV where he learned not only can you make beer at home, but it's also legal. Fast forward to the mid-aughts when Alex Briner was living in Chicago. On one fateful day, Briner was walking past a home brew store when he decided to pop in. After 45 minutes of browsing the shelves, Alex's life was changed forever. He left the store with a couple of buckets, some hose, a bottle capper, and a home brew kit for an Irish red. Alex was quoted as saying, I tried my first beer and it turned out somehow pretty darn good. I'm glad it turned out because I don't know if it would have turned out bad. I probably wouldn't have kept with it. Because it turned out really good, it just kind of turned into a passion after that. Briner eventually moved to Aurora, Nebraska, where he began homebrewing alongside Jay Mack. Their beer continued to turn out great. They enjoyed the control they had over the ingredients and the process and wanted to keep going down that path. In 2014, Jay met Phil Cahoy, who encouraged Mack to take his hobby to the next level. This was no schoolyard, if you love beer so much, why don't you marry it? It was an honest charge to take brewing professionally. In 2016, Jay Mack and his crew decided to pull the trigger and find a location for their brewery. Amos Anson came on board and the hunt for a building began. The guys landed on a building in Grand Island's historic rail side where the area had begun undergoing a renaissance as new businesses, restaurants, clubs, and apartments were being opened. Alex Briner noted, We came at the right time. We are at the forefront of the downtown revitalization. We are super excited to be a part of what is happening downtown and bringing young professionals back to this area. The building where Prairie Pride would open its doors was built in the 1880s and originally housed a plumbing supply business. The building was also, or excuse me, the building was always meant to be a brewery. It was the perfect space. In the six years since opening their doors, Prairie Pride has become a place where friends can gather and carry on conversation while enjoying a wide variety of meticulously crafted beer. With their focus on community, revitalization, and a love for the neighborhood they serve, it's no surprise this spot has become the pride of central Nebraska. Also, their logo is a half-hop, half-buffalo creature called the Hopfalo, and it is trademarked. I didn't know how to fit that in, but you needed to know that. So, <laughs> so that is the brief story of Prairie Pride Brewing Company. Again, a pair of buddies who home brew and then decide to just turn out great beer. I should also note that they are veteran-owned as well, oh, which is cool. always awesome to hear yeah. for those opportunities for veterans to come back and uh, not only be a part of the neighborhood, but help elevate the neighborhood um, it's kind of everything we stand for on this podcast. Oh yeah, is what absolutely. Brings to the table. Very cool. Yeah, there's they're central to their community. Um, yeah, like you said, vet owned, which Nebraska has quite a few. Yeah, um, I can think of a few off the top of my head. Corn Coast and uh, Cosmic Eye come to mind. So, yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, I've I've had Prairie Pride before, and I'm not surprised that they have a reputation, um, not just out there, but here. They, um, the other ones that I've had, it's a it's McKinney's Pub Ale. Um, and then their Islander Porter, which is like a toasted coconut porter, both incredible. Um, just the fact that they have a pub ale, you know, it's, it's an yeah. Irish, Irish ale is, um, uh, is the reason that I plucked it off the shelf. Cause it's just like a, a style that you don't find every day. Sure. 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 Um, but what we're drinking here. Yes. The barn burn Amber. Yes. And this is incredible. Um, this is another one. So it's a, it's a, it's a hoppy Amber, but the, the hop and the malt balance is oh, great, yeah. which with an Amber, um, you're, you're putting in some more characteristic notes in your malts. And so you want to find the complementary hops that are going to, uh, you know, pair nicely, obviously. And so it's not like the big tropical, like the fruity types of hops that you get, but to me, it's more of the floral and the earthy types. Yeah. And so it's really great. This to me drinks like a pale ale, which mm-hmm. we're always happy to have Yeah, with just that little multi note. Like you're talking about, it really does bring that balance that kind of draws it backwards. Like, is this a light pale ale or is this just a, you know, a nice multi balanced amber and and I think it skirts the line of kind of everything you want out of a casual springtime beer. 
Yeah. You know, it's a little chilly out, so there's a little bit of that malt to help out, a little bit of that spice. Um, you know, that, and I don't mean like spicy. I just mean some of those like spice notes that you get from a nice malty beer uh, without any of that overly hopped or aggressively hopped. Like this is a beer that I think a lot of different beer drinkers could enjoy, not just the folks who like IPAs, you know, and they're like, I'm all about hop, but also the folks who are like, I like mine a little bit more domestic and yeah. a little bit more neutral. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. So that is Prairie Pride Brewing Company. You can check them out. I found them at uh, Wine, Beer, and Spirits in Grand Island. I was in Grand Island for work, so I picked up a six-pack while I was there. But uh, their distribution is growing, and they're available across the state in different places. So keep an eye out. That hop flow is is hard to miss. It's a nice big red buffalo hoppy It's a very cool creature. logo. Yeah. 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 It's so, definitely unique. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Gruffalo, which is a very popular children's book. Yeah. Or Mark Gruffalo, who yeah. is uh, an actor. Yeah. Not as popular amongst children, <laughs> unless they're fans of the Hulk, in which case. Oh, there you go. Yeah, unless yeah. they're like an Edward Norton or an Eric Bana stan. But we don't need to get into the MCU and Marvel and, and movies on that front, because I'm outmatched if I talk to you about that. You're, you're seen, a master on all of those. No, I've seen oh, two. Oh, stop. Don't be, Marvel. Don't be so much. <laughs> two Marvel Wait, movies. can I guess them? Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. Volume 1, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume 2? Yes. And I'm going to watch the next one that comes out. There you go. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you're just. You, you listen to soundtracks before you go see a movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm that type of person. Yeah. Which they have great soundtracks. They have those. really good soundtracks. They're incredible. Yeah. They're bringing Space Hog in for the next one. Oh, you know, nice. Yeah. 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 Oh, so yeah. I'm. <laughs> and they've got the Zune that was left over from volume two. So there's there's going to be a nice array of music. Okay. But I was just trying to think, like, what did I have on my Zune? And then I was like, oh, I had an iPod because I was a human. Yeah. I was, so <laughs> no offense to our, our Zune users out there, but you're wrong. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> pivoting away from the Zune. Uh, we said it was going to be loose, right? Yeah. 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 So, okay. he, And it's only going to get looser when we start drinking old fashions the, on the back half of this oh, episode. God. So, Drew, I'm going to let you start it off when it comes to talking about spring football. What are some of the things that you're seeing, hearing, loving, just enjoying, uh, or maybe hating? I don't know. Not, I have no hatred whatsoever. Um I want to I want to start with just the overall tone sure. that that rule has set because um with past coaches I was thinking about it this morning with past coaches the when when they would come in my what really drew me to to the change to the newness of it was all the new players coming in um the excitement about recruiting and and all that and new offense new scheme all that stuff um Matt Rules brought in he's he's flipped the roster right like he's yeah. he's brought in 40 or 50 new guys um, bringing in a new scheme, um, but my excitement isn't there this time. Like I, like I'm excited about the new players. He's brought in a lot of great talent. Um, I'm just excited with the the tone that he's set for the program as a whole. Like it runs really deep. It extends very far. Um, it touches past, present, and future. Um, he's he's brought inclusiveness and a unity. Um to this whole program that I, I don't think that we've really seen in, in a, in the recent uh, history. And so um, the way that he talks about uh, the guys on his roster, everybody has a chance right now. Right. And you see that because the roster is bloated. Um, everybody who is here, if they want to be here, they're going to, they're going to be here. He's going to keep them around. Um, and then the, in the unity part of it, he's, he's 
having guys eat meals together. Um, he's he's building a community that goes beyond the team, beyond the facility. Uh, he says he wants this place to be a people a place where people want to come, a destination where they go to talk football. Uh, he has it open for high school coaches. Um, Coach Solich is finally coming back. Like if that doesn't speak to like the unity of past, present, and future, I don't know what does. Yeah. Um, and that's just the that's just the broad sense of things. And then as far as like football goes, the fact that it's the practice um, practices are physical. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is a is a huge thing. Um, he wants to practice like you play. Yeah. And there's risk involved there. And I think you think about like, okay, if somebody does get hurt, maybe there's going to be some blowback, but I haven't heard any sort of like, Ooh, I don't know if we should be doing this. Like, I, I feel like that philosophy of, of we're going to practice physical has really been embraced mm-hmm. by obviously by his staff, by the players, by the media, by fans. Um, there's an understanding that there's risk there, Yeah, but it's laying a great foundation. I think. I sent you an article. I don't know if you had a chance to read it from CBS Sports about Matt yes. Rule and the comeback. Yeah. Did you see Ted Carter's quote in there about the physicality of a Matt Rule team? Yeah, warming before warming the game, up, they're hitting. They were violently hitting each other, <laughs> and it didn't stop during the game. Like that, they they it start continues. hard and they go hard, and you don't expect that out of Matt Rule just from his physical appearance that he would be that guy. The way that he can communicate that way, that he just has this switch that he can flip to where he is just the aggressor of the coach that gets these guys to run through walls. And I, I am just so enamored by it. I'm so enamored by that attitude and it feels sincere from the players that they like want to play for this guy. There's something Pelini esque about that. Pelini also got his guys motivated to play hard and to fight for him as a coach. Um, I'm sure that Pelini and rule have different tactics on going about how they do that. Um, And I think that, one is more of a CEO than the other. I think Matt Rule has a a different kind of handle over his staff um, where he does bring in guys who he trusts their coaching abilities and lets them coach that. He just has standards. Whereas I think Bo is more about here's how we do things and everything kind of yeah. fell under Bo's vision. Um, I'm, I'm a, a Bo sympathizer. I should also point that out there. I, I didn't want Bo to leave when Bo left. I, I really believed in him as a coach, and I thought that there were some tweaks that could have been made, but when we talk about the administration that was there for him, <laughs> he wasn't really set up for success, which we've learned is very important. Yes. The the administration that yeah. you have steering the ship with you is incredibly important for your success, whether that's to provide uh, the things that you need to be successful or to provide criticism and feedback and, and help you make those changes appropriately. Yeah. Well, and that goes both ways, right? Like absolutely. They, you need to have that support, but that like, it's got to all be aligned. Yeah. And so I don't like, even if Pliny had support, if they weren't all on the same page, it wouldn't have whatever. Anyway, yeah. no, no, I, I the, think that's very fair. And I think that that's part of what we're seeing. Yeah. Right? Is yeah everyone we seeing is that. in step. Everyone is on the same page on how they want to represent this brand, this team, these individuals, because I think they're also doing a great job of letting the individuals be the individuals, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're learning about players in a different way right now. And part of that might be NIL and, and that branding and that sort of thing. But I also think part of it is having a coach who, you know, you talked about how everyone on this roster is going to have a chance. It's eventually going to be shrunk down. Matt Rule has a respect for the walk-on program, but he's also talked about how I only have X amount of resources. I don't want a 130-person roster because I can't devote the resources so our walk-on tradition is going to get back to being Nebraska's walk-on tradition where it was a point of pride to be a walk-on at Nebraska, and it meant something. It meant that this team trusts and believes in you, 
and is going to give you the resources to succeed and become whatever version of a football player you want to be. But I think they're also going to get more selective on that front. It's not going to be a numbers game. It's going to be, can this guy help us win? And how do we get him on the team? Yeah. And they, ha- and they have an idea of what they want in the walk-in, right? Like they have, um, or walk-in, the walk-ons. Um, they, they know what they want from players. They've talked about, they want the de- dependability. They want speed. Um, they want guys who are committed, who want to be here. And so, um, I don't think that's going to be an issue for them because they know what they're looking for. Sure. And so that's going to help them, um, select from, you know, the pool of candidates who they want on the team. And it's going to be the guys that want to be here, who are going to be grinding right along with the rest of the team. I think also what's really interesting when you look at some of the players that have come in, I think they fall in one of two camps. One camp is the player where it's Nebraska, we need you. And another camp where it's this coaching staff, or the, excuse me, this player needs this coaching staff, right? And and I look at uh, two guys coming from the same school. I look at MJ Sherman and I look mm-hmm. at Eric Gilbert. Yeah. MJ Sherman is a guy where Nebraska needs MJ Sherman. And now I'm not, I should preface this, I'm not talking about on the field. right? I'm not talking about being uh, an asset on Saturdays in the fall. I'm talking about where these guys are in their lives and how they can help drive other kids forward that are on this team. MJ Sherman is a guy who comes in and talks about accountability, all the things he learned. He talks about his million-dollar friends, and that's one of the quotes that I have highlighted here. He talks about what they did special at Georgia was that everyone held everyone accountable, and the big dogs knew that. The guys who were juniors, seniors, who were going off to be draft picks, they knew that in order to be successful, we had to be a team, player-ran team, which is a talking point we've heard for the past four or five years. Right. It's the first time I'm hearing players talk this way. And MJ Sherman was one of the guys that Rule brought in who I think he brought them in for that reason, right? You understand what it means to be accountable. You understand what it means and how that translates to success on the field. But you also understand how having a big brother on your side can help you be a better person. And then I look at a guy like Eric Gilbert who comes to this team who's had trouble in different teams. He's had a hard time getting on the field consistently for whatever reason. And this is a coaching staff that goes, no, we know what young men are capable of when given the proper guidance. And it's we don't consider these guys a project. We consider these guys guys who can come here and we can show them what it means to be loved in all different si- to- sorts of ways, right? Uh, on the field, off the field, as, a, as an individual, and know that you can succeed and there are resources aplenty here and that you've got an opportunity in front of you. We're not going to let you waste that opportunity on the football field, but we're also going to make the most of that off the field for you as well. And so I just... I, it's almost like players fall in one of two camps coming in from the transfer portal and they continue to talk. And every time there's a press conference where a player gets up there, it's like one of these guys has to give a bad presser. Right. And they just (laughs) don't, they don't get up there because they all were brought here. Like it feels like they, they are so good at finding their guys. Yeah. And we're starting to see that in spring, whether that translates in the fall, I don't know, but you can see this cohesiveness that rule has built in his roster that you're talking about as well. Yeah. He definitely, he's got, some sort of system or formula or something he's, he identifies not just in um, players, but in his coaches too. Um, in the, in the coaches that he surrounds himself with are able to help him identify these guys and, and build these relationships and bring these guys in. Um, they've, they've got something right. And they've, and they've shown that whatever it is that they build, it worked at temple, it worked at Baylor, it translates to wins. It might take time, but it, it does work. Um, and, yeah, and it, and without knowing the future, it looks like they are, you know, following that that program 
right? They, they're following their path that they, that they should be on. Um, bringing in these, these guys that really do shine, um, just as personalities, yeah. as, as human beings, um, and guys that shine as, as leaders in a, in a football room that you want to see. And so it, it makes you hopeful, um, that it, that it'll, it'll, it'll work out one way or another. Um, but also just as like a, not as a football fan, but just as a a fan of, I don't know, people finding their other people. Like, um, I like, I just like watching, um, you know, football players, young guys, college kids, um, finding success and and finding somebody who they can trust and who can, they can build a relationship. That's going to be a lifelong relationship, finding out, um, you know, who they are and, and, um, how to be better, people better versions of themselves or the best possible version so absolutely uh very cool to see in action so what are some specifics then like what are some things as opposed to like the broad strokes we've been chatting about what are some of the specifics that you've seen or heard or some whispers whatever it happens to be um so well i don't know let's see well i'll start with offensive weapons okay we'll just get really into it into the specifics yeah there's Um, just a few of them out there. there's a couple of them yeah um i'm really excited to see the way that their running back room shakes out just because there's so many guys that I like, um, in, in Grant and Gabe Irvin, um, Ramir Johnson, I think it's going to have a Renaissance type season. He, he, he had his breakout year. He kind of faded into the background, I think a little bit. And that, and the way that they talk about, like, again, utilizing him in, in more than just using him as a running back. I think he could be, um, a special player, AJ Allen, when he gets healthy, obviously is a highly touted guy. And then Emmett Johnson has a chip on his shoulder. Um, we haven't gotten to see him yet, but this is a, this is a room that I think is full of potential. I think it's a good blend of um, different skill sets of different personalities of guys who are just at different points in their career who, who all have something to prove, whether it's living up to expectations, whether it's exceeding expectations, um, you know, coming from a, a college a community college background and, and trying to, you know, make it uh, in a power five or, um, you know, trying to re retool themselves to, to reach that potential that maybe they got a little taste of earlier. Like sure. it's just, it's just so many different um, parts that, that I'm excited to see like the way it all plays out in that room. I really like how savvy EJ Barthel is as a running backs coach. And one of the clips that has made circulation on social media a lot was him. Was it given AJ Allen, the ear was that who he was kind of AJ didn't make a cut that he wanted him to make. And then he told him to come back and, oh, run the, it again. Yeah, yeah. and, and he kind of yeah. was, you know, being a hard coach. Yeah. But one of the things that I really liked in that video that kind of got overlooked was, I believe it was Emmett Johnson who turned around Ru- and said, I think it was Ramir. Was it? I don't know. I one Emmett, of them looked to one of them turned I'll around. I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, I'm talking right now. Too can, many Johnsons in the room. I'm just going to go ahead and, <laughs> That was good. I'm going to go out and say I believe it was Emmett Johnson who turned to Ramir and asked what to do. Asked to be coached. And again, this goes back. My thesis on this entire conversation is we finally have a player-led team because the coaches are giving the room for that. The coaches trust that. And I'm not saying that the coaches aren't coaching. I think the coaches are coaching quite heavily. But I think that their coaching technique is so sound. And Matt Rule has these guys that are so savvy that the players – feel player led and they feel like they can listen to the other guys and they they they're just able to move forward on that front and there's other there's other mentions of that throughout when you get to the wide receiver room and you get to Brian Buscini and you get to Ed Foley talking like all these guys 
Um, and, and MJ Sherman, I should also say, like, I've highlighted just four conversations in my paperwork here that just show that this is that accountability here, right? Like these guys trust in each other just as much as they trust in their coaches. And I think Matt Rule has hinted that that was here before he got here, right? That these, mm-hmm. these are players who care about each other. The Iowa game is his example of that. Like you don't go into that game having only won three when the other team has a chance at the Big Ten championship game and win that game if there's not something special going on in that locker room. Right. And I think that we're seeing that now being elevated in a, in a coaching staff that's allowing that to flourish. Yeah. And so that running back clip was one of those things where it's like they're turning to each other for coaching. MJ Sherman talks about coming to the sidelines after a rep and saying, what'd you see? What can I do better? Coach me as a form, as another player and let's build this thing together. Yeah. And we're just getting a lot of that. And so to know that the running back room is, is working on themselves like that to hear the wide receivers room is, is working like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say the wide receivers, another, Another group. I mean, there's a lot of question marks there, um, but there's another one. They brought in, you know, Josh Fleeks. They brought in uh, Billy Kemp. They brought in these these veteran guys who are they're in their final year. Um, you know, and, and Fleeks is familiar, obviously, with Rule and his staff. Um, guys who can lead that that room. And the way that Garrett McGuire talks about, um, you know, the way that, that they watch film, he lets you know he lets his his yep. players sit in his chair. He lets them control the the remote um, and kind of lead things. And so. Yeah, you see that from room to room where um, they have just they have a hierarchy to things. Yeah. Um, but there's just tons of mutual respect. There's there's a, a really great understanding of the expectations. Yeah. Um, from from every player, no matter where they are. So um, I have to say that Garrett McGuire's April press conference has been my favorite press session of of the spring season. Everything that he hit on are all things where you're like, man, this just sounds like a, a an excellent culture. His room specifically sounds like such a well-crafted and handled and curated culture. They were asking him questions about players, and his answers were personal. His answers were specific. His answers were so thorough, but also brief. He wasn't, you know, having to circle the drain and try and figure out how am I going to describe this person. He was able to say, you know, boom, boom, and boom about this guy. Like yeah. I know my guys. Yeah. And I, uh, did you ever watch the uh, the YouTube show Hot Ones with Sean Evans? I've seen some of them where celebrities eat hot wings, yeah. and he's yeah. always so incredibly well researched. And you wonder how do they have the time to learn this much? And it just it's hard work, right? Like to know this much about each and every person that becomes a part of your, you know, you cross in life. Mm-hmm. I feel that with a Garrett Maguire who I just, I'm like, how do you find the time? And the, the short answer is I make the time, right? Like right. I go out of my way because this is what's important to my players. And it's important to me that I know them beyond a number on the field or a touchdown or number of yards receiving or anything like that. And I'm just, I'm, I'm so over the moon impressed. And I think when the coaching staff was first brought on, he was one of those where we were like, He's a big question mark. And now I'm mm-hmm. like, that room, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see that room because we've got familiar faces with like Betts and IGC who are coming back. We've got new faces in Fleeks and Kemp. Uh, we've got guys like Washington who I thought was having a breakout season near the end of last season. And I think that's just going to continue forward. And then you've got uh, tight ends who are sometimes going into that room to get work out there. The running backs, like the amount of trust that this wide receiver room and its satellites are getting just has me more and more excited because everything we're hearing about Sat's offense, 
you know, it's going to be run heavy. It's going to be run heavy. That means that every pass is all the more important. Yeah. And to put that trust in a 23, 24 year old, you think, uh, but then you hear him talk, you hear how the players talk about him. And I just, I couldn't be more impressed. Yeah. I'll, I'll admit, I like my, my prejudices carried over into his introductory press conference. And as he was, um, answering questions, I, I was asking myself like, okay, is this, is this 24 year old speaking wisdom that he's just heard and he's just a parrot who's, who's, who's able to, um, you know, memorize all these platitudes and then speak them back when he needs to, or is there, is he just mature beyond his years? He's absorbed an insane amount of wisdom from, from rule and from his dad and, uh, you know, all his other coaches, his time in the NFL, et cetera. Um, and he's just able to like live that in a very genuine way. And it's just a young face that's really throwing me off as I'm listening because he's not yeah. some old man with a beard. Sure. Um, and he's not, yeah, he's and not Ed Foley, right? When Ed Foley gets up and says those things, you're like, you learn that lesson. You, yeah. Yeah. You feel like, yeah, that dude has lived, you know, 40 years of coaching or whatever. Like he's, it's ingrained in him, right? Sure. Like it's written on his face. Um, and so it's just, it's just a disconnect, right? Like I, I think it's just a disconnect. You're not used to hearing those things from somebody so young um, or, or just accepting, accepting the lesson from someone so young. Um, and so, but to, to watch him, like you said, in this, in this uh, spring press conference that he did to watch him coach um, during spring practices, I've seen some clips of him, you know, chatting with guys, chatting with defensive guys too, um, coaching them up. Like he, he does, like it's just, it's a natural for him. Yeah. Um, and as his personality comes out, I think as, as he gets more comfortable in that position, you start to see like, no, this is, this is genuine. Like this really yeah. is who this guy is. And, and Matt rule wasn't lying to us. Like, no. um, this is a, this is he's the real deal. Yeah. Um, you hope that like you hope that his um, it, the success comes to him on the football field moving yeah. forward. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing it won't. Yeah. Because it's yeah he's super impressive. He feels like a steal at this point. Like oh we got Garrett McGuire on our staff. Like we we're pretty damn lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what he can do. He's got he does like I said he's got an interesting room. Um, and you touched on all the guys you've got you've got guys that you think you can rely on. Um, in in Kemp and Washington, IGC and Betts, um, a lot of new guys coming into that room. Um, Matt Rule talked about Ty Han, um, Alex Bullock as a couple of walk-ons that he said don't get talked about enough. Um, so here we are talking about them. Yeah, um, giving them mention. Uh, you know, ho- hoping that they can at least develop some depth because you really do want up to like ten guys that you can like rotate oh, through. Oh yeah, because you know one injury here or there, guys are going to get dinged up especially with how physical this offense sounds like it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of blocking. It's going to be a lot of moving pieces. It's going to be a lot of, like you said, physical football. And that's not going to just be the tight ends to be the physical receivers out on the field. It's going to come down to the wide receivers as well. And, and um, yeah, you look at the size of some of those wide receivers though. And you're like, they're going to move some guys out of the way. You know, I think a guy like Xavier Betts, sky is the limit for him. And I'm so happy that, that his footing was refound and that Matt rule. Again, this is one of those things where, I can help the team or the team can help me. This feels like one of those situations where he fits in both camps. It's yeah. It's, we got right? a foot in each one. Yeah. And, and for him to come in to hit winter conditioning hard and to earn a spot and fight back. Like those are the guys that, that, you know, I get teary eyed for when they score their first touchdown of the season. You know what I mean? Like those are the guys where I'm like, this is why I think college football is the greatest sport is because of guys like that and stories like that, because those stories matter because they inspire the next generation to go off 
uh, and and find educations and you know earn earn the the lives that it deserves. So yeah. I'm just I'm super stoked. Um, yeah, and we got Malachi Coleman coming in. <laughs> I mean, like, there's there's so much stuff to be excited for in the fall, let alone yeah, you know, right now during the spring. Hundred percent. So. Oh, go ahead. Oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say, is there, is there any, like, you want to talk about tight ends or O-line, quarterbacks? We haven't gotten into that. There's so much to get into goes. on that. I We're going to have time to talk about it after the spring game as well. Yeah. So I'm I'm cool, like, I'm I'm cool talking about that maybe a little bit, in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> you know, when we start talking about, like, maybe the quarterback thing, what are we going to see out of quarterbacks on Saturday uh, in the spring game? Like, it should be interesting. So, yeah. I'm yeah. Cool to, I was going to say, I, I think as far as, like, the quarterbacks go, I've kind of been... Not not paying attention because two of them, two of the important pieces in the competition are are out this spring, and it's just here's here's what I'll say on the quarterback thing. I know I, I know I was one being like you. let's yeah. let's <laughs> let's just move on. You let's know we got lots to talk about. Yeah, it feels like anyone could be QB one. Yeah, does it not? Like it feels it feels wide. I know that like you know you've got your two prime suspects with, with Casey Thompson and Jeff Sims. Like right, everyone sees okay. We've got our starting quarterback from last year. And we've got a guy who was brought in to be a starter as well. And both of them could probably be successful. Could it? I think that the basement is getting us to a bowl game for these guys, right? Right. Not to project too far out. But then you see and hear about like what Harburg and Torres. And you look at a guy like Logan Smothers in a running offense where the QB run is going to be a part of the game. Then I start to think like, man, I really think that we're going to have a couple of different looks for quarterbacks. And I think that Sat being a guy who likes to play with all the chess pieces. I think there's a reason that guys like uh, Logan Smothers, who could be a quarterback in a lot of different schools in their system, in a QB run game and an RPO, whatever it happens to be, he's still here. Yeah. That tells me a lot. And that's probably me reading into too much, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm excited. I think for that, that just tells you a lot about Logan himself. It does. Honestly. Yeah. Like, he wants to be here. Yeah. He wants to compete. Yeah. He's, been on the field like yeah he's got the ability so yeah um I'm it's not just pressing a button here yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is fun because it uh, it's another room of just of different bodies and different skill sets um guys that that yeah satterfield can can utilize um and he's a guy that's willing to adapt and to his personnel so satterfield i thought his name was sat phone no that's a bad joke that was that just one did not that <laughs> <laughs> went yeah, that went <laughs> over your head, uh, past the bicycles hanging from the you ceiling in this garage. You want to take the time to explain it? Or? <laughs> no, it's oh. just his name's Satterfield, and like, but there's also things called sat phones, which are satellite phones. Yeah, okay. And I was like, this will be, this will knock him dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somebody probably turned turned it off right there. They're I think, like, I think, uh, I think I heard my six year old boo from <laughs> that one. He's not even in the garage, and I just heard him go boo. Oh, isn't that the worst when you try to tell a dad joke to your kids and they they don't even like they give you the eye roll? Yeah, I don't talk to my kids. Like, oh, <laughs> outside of coaching. Yeah. Oh no, anyway. I yell at my kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't yell at my kid. Oh, man. So what about defense? Um, defense. I'm I'm really interested in what they're gonna do on defense with the scheme because Tony White's talked about. Um, I don't know about the, the struggle. Maybe struggle is not the right word for it, but he's had to try to simplify his scheme because he's got so many new new people in new positions. He's got new coaches. Um, there's newness surrounding yeah. this entire defense, um, despite the fact that they do actually have quite a few pieces coming back. Um, 
And so, yeah, so he's talking about just simplifying and, and um, making it so that guys don't have to really th- think too much. Yeah. And and But how that makes it hard to um, rate guys and analyze and grade guys and figure out, you know, who's actually doing a good job and who's going to fit. Yeah. Um, and so that'll be really, really interesting to see uh, what that looks like come the fall because obviously they've got a long road ahead of them to to install all these pieces and make make the defense a little more complex and make it look like what they want. Um, and they'll get there, but um, as of right now, I would chalk that up to, at least for me, a little bit of a, not a concern, it's expected, but it's a concern, Yeah, if that makes sense. I think that's fair. You know, and this week, uh, Tony White gave a lot of time to the press and got a lot of questions and stuff like that. One of the things he said is like, I need to simplify, right? Like, I need to get these guys to a point to where they can just play. Yeah. And, and I like that ownership. I like him going, I kind of came in with a coaching plan. And not to talk again about my coaching experience, but I come in with five drills and <laughs> my six-year-old team usually gets through about three of them, okay. right? And so sometimes you just think, you're like, I want to get all of this ingrained, mm-hmm. but you remember that like they're human, this is new, and we've got to make sure that the fundamentals are there and that guys are just where they need to be and doing that sort of stuff. And so I appreciate that humility that he was like, yeah, you know, we got to start simplifying let guys just go out there and play, and then we'll start to dial some stuff up. It would be it would be hard to come from a place where like you you built your defense like he did at Syracuse, um, and he had it firmly established, and yeah. it was rolling. Yeah, it would be hard to move like almost feel like you're taking a step back. Then in that sense, even though he's yeah. inheriting a lot of talent and he's at a bigger brand, um, yeah, he can't just take what he had at Syracuse and directly. Put it right on Nebraska. Um, he does have to, yeah, change it up. And so it, it, the way it sounded, yeah, it was like he maybe had this idea that he could just lateral sure. move it. Um, and it just didn't didn't work out. You know why that doesn't concern me as much? We did that last year when when Bill Bush took over as the defensive coordinator. Things got simplified. Yeah. And that defense played a hell of a lot better. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. We've got a lot of great pieces. We've got a lot of excellent talent that came in both through the transfer portal and guys who are still there. I think that linebacking core is going to be excellent. The pass rush that Nebraska is going to probably be able to produce this year, I think is going to be exciting. I hope so. Uh, I, I feel like I've, we've said that or thought that often. Yeah, but this year's different. <laughs> <laughs> this year, it's it's going to be a new one. This year, despite the fact that we lost you know, our top three pass rushers. We also gained some pretty darn good talent. We, and, you know. Yeah. All I'm saying is, this year's gonna win. <laughs> Lots of them. This year's gonna. Nothing is holding us back. That's my. That was my other big thing on defense. Is that is the pass rush? And cool. yeah, there are. <laughs> Let me just turn around and talk out Debbie my ass. Downer. No, it's it's that's another thing. It's like that's we've we like for ten years now we've been like man like this is the year this is like yeah. this guy or this is what we need if only we had the pass rush. Here, here's here's my argument here right is I think that this year would be a great year. This is going to sound so dumb when I first say it. So let me. Like, is this going to be like another sat phone joke? No, this isn't a joke. <laughs> this, is, this is this is just this would be a great year to see that pass rush emerge, and you're like, yeah, fuck it, every year would be. Sorry, Kathy, the great year to see the pass rush emerge. What I what I mean by that is, look at the quarterback situation across the Big Ten West. We've got a lot of guys who are graduating. Uh, Tanner Morgan played his decade, so he's done. Um, Iowa's going to have a new starting quarterback in uh, Cade. JJ, I don't know which Michigan quarterback they got. McNamara. And I don't, yeah, I don't really care. 
Uh, it's Iowa. <laughs> so Does what? it matter that career is going in the tank? Thanks. Yeah. Purdue's going to have a new starting quarterback. Um, I don't know the quarterback situation in Illinois, but I believe their quarterback did come back. Their guy from Syracuse. From Syracuse, yeah. yeah. And so he knows what Tony White's capable of. And so he's scared. Um, <laughs> no, but there's a lot of these quarterbacks in the Big Ten West. And who knows if Northwestern's even going to play with a quarterback. You know, <laughs> I don't know. At this They're point, just going to come out with their debate team. Yeah. Fuck it. At this point, I mean, they did beat us, but um, last year. So anyways. Well, not in the first two quarters. <laughs> or the fourth. Not before no. the. <laughs> Look, uh, this is getting way off topic. All right. And I'm going to steer this ship back because that's okay. what I do. I steer ships back. Guide us. I am a coach and I lead places. <laughs> I'm sure her dad's like, yeah, we brought those guys in. <laughs> Good thing it was only a one-year contract. <laughs> Anyways, what I'm trying to say is there are a lot of new quarterbacks that are going to be in the Big Ten West that may not be as confident in the pocket or be able to handle a pass rush. So I think that it should be a point of focus. And I know every year your defense you know, lives and dies on how can you get in the backfield. But this would be one of those years where I would almost sell out against it and then let our secondary do the work to, to back that up. So I, I'm excited to hear when you hear MJ Sherman talk about how him and like Jabari Butler and these guys are, are excelling in that area. And he knows what excelling in a pass rush looks like coming from Georgia. I'm excited to hear that because I think this is a year where you can capitalize on that and you can make a dent, at least in our division with a lot of these new quarterbacks who aren't going to be as familiar with on the field play. Plus aren't going to be as familiar with Nebraska's defense coming into this. Right. And that's where I kind of waffle honestly on it. Cause I was looking at that too. Like, okay, we have Minnesota and Colorado, but those are both, I mean, a new quarterback at Minnesota. Yeah. Um, I think one that we've actually faced, I think he played, I can't say his last name. It's very Greek. Oh, okay. And a, and a, I don't know. I'm not gonna try it. But so we, we played against him. So I think we're familiar with him. Um, and then Colorado's got the new coach, new quarterback, whatever. Um, so who's their coach? Uh, it's a great joke. You should have laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Coach sat phone. Uh, <laughs> nice. Um, call back. <laughs> so I feel like if if you're adjusting, if you're learning on defense, I feel like you can maybe get away with it a little more early on in the season than you can if like you're instilling a new installing a new offense and sure. a new quarterback or a new system there. And so even though we're yeah, we've got a tough couple games, get power five out the gate on the road. Um I, yeah, I feel at least a little bit better about them finding their footing in those games against those opponents um, just because of all those things that are in play. Sure. And so, um, and then, yeah, and then like you had hinted to, like uh, that secondary, they're rotating a lot of guys there, yeah. right? Like Quentin, Quentin Newsom is a corner for sure. Like he's got that one locked down. Um, but then uh, Hartzog, I think they're rotating Miles Farmer. They're rotating from the safety to the cornerback, just trying to find – um, that second guy finding out who their safeties are, um, but they've got so many options still yeah. left over in 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 Lineham and in Deshaun Singleton and, and guys like that. So, um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see again how just how Tony White does with his pieces sure. and with his scheme and how it develops from spring to fall to the season. Cool. So special teams. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about special I'm teams. I'm so excited about special it's amazing. teams. I, I of my four kind of pieces of paper that I had laid out for this conversation, one was MJ Sherman. These because these were my favorite. Pressers. I love MJ Sherman. By oh the way, my gosh, if that wasn't again, you know, cool if, dude. If Garrett McGuire was my favorite coaching presser, he was my favorite player presser. Like everything he said, 
Um, like, I just want to run through some of these. I, before we jump to special teams, I just highlighted some of these pieces that MJ Sherman had to say. And each one of them, I was like, that dude came from Georgia. And, like, he wants to be here? <laughs> he won back-to-back natties. And he's like, I can, I can make a difference there. And that, to me, is exciting. So, yeah. uh, when he was asked why Nebraska, uh, there's no concrete answer on why Nebraska. But I understood that Nebraska... Uh, is a team that's fighting to make another impact on the college football world, and I feel like I have the skills that can help this team do that. Holy hell! That like I was like, yeah, you do. <laughs> yes. Uh, on pass rush and fellow pass rushers, we can complement each other when it comes to pass rushes, and we're often coming to the sidelines and talking about what we saw at the previous play or what we did. We can look at each other on, um, and say like, hey, did you win? If we want to make this team great, we know that rests on our shoulders. Every great team is pass rushing. So again, there's that accountability, that player-led, that thing that we've been hearing for a long time of like the best teams are player-led. These guys are, I think, accidentally bringing up these talking points where we're like, these guys are player-led. Like they are coaching each other to get better because they want this. Yeah. Um, he had another quote on playing for three years with the caliber of players at Georgia. I got million dollar friends. What I mean by that is I've seen a lot of guys that I've called my brother to this day that grind and work hard in my position and other positions similar to mine to be where they are. Just watching, learning from them, asking them questions, doing stuff like that. The same thing I do here. When I run off to the side like, hey, did you watch it? Did you see something that you saw? Critique me on something I did over there. Same thing I did over at Georgia with my big bros, but I guess now I'm the bigger brother. Again, he's not talking about literal million dollar like players that get drafted and stuff like that. He's valuing what these players give to him. You've got to be a million dollar friend where you are worth a million dollars to me. Like just, just the kind of value that he helps other players see in themselves and in each other and in the value of being a teammate, like is so impressive to, to hear regardless of whether it's a coach or a player or who it is. I was just blown away by this presser. Um, and then the final quote that I want to highlight is on the new coaching staff on Matt rules staff. He said, the scary part about leaving Georgia was will I find a coaching staff like that again? And that's what I found right here. Me and Coach Rob developed a bond to the point where he's my coach, and I'm proud to say that. I, I don't hesitate saying that the linebacker coach, Rob Dvorak, is, was my biggest concern because it's like his resume wasn't the greatest resume coming into this, and that's an area where we were excelling as a team but as soon as injuries hit, we started to kind of fall back. So how can he actually coach up the guys that we have in reserves? Yeah. And to hear a guy like MJ Sherman, who comes from a place that clearly knows how to play defense, um, just has me excited for the future. Maybe not this season, but as players continue to develop under that system. Yeah. 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 So, I would say that, yeah, and very important pieces being laid down already. And so like said, maybe accidental. Like it's just, it's just who these people are. Yeah. So, so just wanted to throw those out. I thought, that, man. I, yeah, like I said, I love him. He's one a, of my favorites. Such a good favorite press conference, such a good conversationalist. And and like every answer, I was like, who is your PR person? Because they are killing it. <laughs> and then you realize, I'm just that good. So good for him. Special teams. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Ed Foley? I Dude I, kicks ass. I want to have a slice of pie with Ed Foley. Yeah. I want to visit some 300 population town I'll, diner I'll with Ed Foley. drive him around the state. He can just, he can just Something kick tells it. tells me he, he likes to drive. Yeah. He, yeah. Prob- he, he probably is like, no, you're good. Why don't you take a nap? He probably has the old farmer wave, you know, the oh, one yeah, finger. The two, that, one, whatever, two fingers, yeah. 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 Are little, you a one or a two? I do two. Well, I have small fingers, so I'm like a full, I do a full four. <laughs> I just stick my arm out yeah. and wave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But so, yeah. yeah. Um, he's, he's um, just a, 
just a breath of fresh air. Um, he's an, he seems like an incredible, another incredibly great person. Um, he's he he made his rounds obviously through the, all of Nebraska, hitting up all the high schools. Um, stopped in with the Folds family on his day off. Um, just has a, a profound respect for um, for football, for special teams, for the people um, that he interacts with for his players. Uh, and then you see you see him and uh, Bushini. Um, you know, they they are almost like lockstep in terms of of the way that they, you know, again view football and special teams and all that. And yeah. um, I'm I'm excited to see his his impact on this team. Um, and then Bushini obviously uh, is another guy. Those are my other two. Who, Those are the other two people that I had yeah little, little profiles on was MJ Sherman McGuire. Foley and Bushini. Yeah. Listening to him just talk about like just the technical aspects of punting, um, you know, his goals to make it to the next level, um, his love for, for this place, for the state, for the people. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's hard not to cheer for people like this, um, and, and be excited to see what they do as individually and then just how they impact the team. So I want to talk Ed Foley and then switch over to Bushini as well. Um, okay. When Ed Foley was hired on, we talked through all of his accolades. He had some of the nation's best special teams departments in terms of like punt returns, punt blocks, touchdowns on on special teams, things of that nature. So you would think a guy like that is like, here's my system. He said that there are things he's coaching now that three or four years ago he didn't even know to coach. And to have a guy so well-established and have a guy who has been an interim head coach, who's been a head coach, who has been a leader in special teams, who is basically, I think Matt Rule's been like, he's my right-hand guy. I don't go anywhere without Ed Foley. Yeah. To have him continue to learn and develop and evolve makes him a scary man, makes him a bad man to be around. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, that's the kind of guy you want leading to go. I'm, I'm never happy enough. It's, it's the Bill Belichick mindset, right? Where like, there's always something new to learn. There's always some way to get better. There's always some way to evolve. He specifically talked about long snappers getting their heads up quicker and just how that over time can make a bigger impact on your protection and give you more time to execute the specialties that you need to execute. Yeah. And, and just hearing that, hearing a coach be like, yeah, man, I still have shit to learn. I'm, you know, I, I, it doesn't matter where I'm in my coaching career. Learning doesn't stop. Um, and just to hear that and hear that accountability to always trying to better ourselves. You know, we hear players talk about that all the time, how strength and conditioning and nutrition is always about bettering myself. But you don't always hear coaches being like, here's something new I learned. Here's how I got better. Yeah, this late in, in the game too. Yeah. But he, ha- he has a youthfulness about him, and I think that's probably where that comes from yeah. or vice versa. Um, just that, yeah, that energy and that desire to, to be better and to make the people around him better. Yeah. Um, and I just, I love the point that he brought up too, that like every specialist, every return man, every person that is working special teams comes to him with a game plan and is like, here's what I want to work on. Can you help me with this? And he's like, I've never been in an environment where everyone has a plan and where everyone wants to work on something and be better about something and gives me a specific to look for on film. And just hearing that like gives me pride about these guys. Like, you know, I, I just appreciate the transparency and I appreciate everything that this coaching staff has, has stood up for thus far. And it's easy in the spring, right? It's easy when everything is positivity or it's just canceling the naysayers. And you're like, we well, can't naysay when we haven't done anything. 
but it's also you can't be positive when we haven't done anything. But what I can be positive about is hearing this thesis throughout every single conversation that is being had in front of the media where it's it's a consistent message, it's a transparent message. It's one that we've been hearing that this team needs to be successful, yeah. but we haven't had that for whatever reason, whether it's coaching, players, administration, you name it. And so when when a coaching staff is is let go and you think, okay, well, did the players come in and reflect that? And that's just the thought I had was, did the players reflect this previous coaching staff and are we in a better spot if they were to move on, that's that's me being wrong. Gotcha. And and that's that's where I want to say Matt Rule and his staff has taught me otherwise. And just like they're able to grow as coaches and players, you know, we have to grow as fans. And and so it's just it's humbling, but it's also what a gift that we have that we can look to this thing that means so much to us and ask questions about ourselves and and better our relationship with how we cheer for this team. Yeah. So I just I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think that I think what you're seeing as you talk about your thesis, I think what you're seeing is, um, you know, Matt Rule, again, he has, his, he has a philosophy, he has a system, he has something that he's able to set in place, and he surrounds himself with those coaches who are able to communicate that to his players and bring in players that are able to, to communicate that with each other. They, they've laid this foundation so quickly, so well. Um, and, and like I said with Garrett McGuire, like, I was, I was questioning, like, is he, is he just copy pasting this or but no he's he's living this um it's it's genuine and it's it's i think it's contagious i think i think the the players that are here that are here that are um that are feeding into this um i th- i think they're just they're just learning it so quickly because it's such a great message and it's so important and it's so vitalizing um the the they can't help but to to change and to grow quickly and to become this unified sort of front, um, and I think that was missing last time. And I don't I wouldn't honestly blame anybody who put their faith in previous coaches to come here to try to restore whatever Nebraska was. I think that's you still hear that same message from players like they still come here to restore Nebraska. Um, it you just you you trust people. Um, in your lives to, to make you a better person. You trust that they're going to help you out on that path. Um, and that you're going to provide something as well for them. And sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you do enter an environment where just for whatever reason, it just, it doesn't work and it it becomes either toxic or it's not right for you individually. You don't fit and whatever. And so, you know, you move on or I don't know. I, I just, yeah, this just feels so healthy. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great word. Feels healthy. Yeah. And, and it's tough, you know, when we're, when we're doing this, where we're like, we got to share our opinions and we got to talk about this. And in 30 days, it could be completely different and stuff like that, but it's not a knock on what was before, but it's, but it's just, it's what it feels now. And I think it's, it's so often we're like, God, I got to compare it to the last thing you do. Ha- and, I mean, that's all you, I mean, that's, that's all you experience. have. Right? You can't yeah. compare it to the future because you don't know. So you have to compare it to the past and the present. And, and so yeah, it's it's it is healthy. I think is a great way to put it. And uh, yeah. So, anyways, Brian Buscini, um, as, oh, yeah. the, as the final Your talking guy, point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just everything he had to say that he seems like a real technician at his at his uh, position. And I think about Nebraska's struggles from a punting perspective, both on the kicking and the returning. I think he's going to be a real a real dynamic weapon that we've just been missing for a while. And I'm looking forward to the work he's put in, whether it's the, you know, the weight loss and the muscle gain, 
whether it's the technique that he's continuing to improve upon. I mean, the way he talks about like we practice drops, we practice, you know, where we want stuff to land. We practice everything. Everything is practiced. And I think to golf, right? Um, I think to the way that golf is meant to be coached and meant to be played and, uh, Golf coaches worth their salt will tell you that you don't ever hit a shot on the field that you haven't practiced. And that sounds like, you know, it's like, well, but I get into situations where, you know, I'm against a fence and I got to swing lefty and and the best players in the world, they've practiced that. Yeah. You know, today I just saw on Twitter that there was a situation where uh, Matt Rule had the guys in a nine seconds on the nine yard line. They needed to score a touchdown to win. It was situational football and um, they practiced that. And so you, you practice all the oddities and you give them the same respect. So when you're practicing drops and positions and trying to pin it and trying to do all of these little things. Onside kicks up 11 in the third quarter. You practice that? Or? I like that we just had this real long talk about like, don't put ourselves <laughs> <Yeah>. in. <laughs> I was like, just thinking of like. Let me light this fucker on fire. <laughs> like if you were, let's say you were overseas. <laughs> okay. I'm not, no. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Regale me. You're no, overseas. Yeah. You need a sat phone. <laughs> you have to make a phone call. What do you pay? <laughs> so I, I just like hearing that like everything is practiced. Every They are ready for every situation so that when the time comes, you know, it's like breathing. You're just able to just breathe and just do it because you're prepared for that. And, and I think a coach like Ed Foley, you know, has a little bit of that nutty professor attitude where it's like, let's work on it because there's going to come a time where we need it. You know, nothing is too crazy. Nothing is too strange. If we're getting down to the minutia of snap your head up faster, here's some skills to help you like some drills to do that quicker. Then when a guy like Brian Buscini comes along who practices Taekwondo, discipline is an important part of what he does. He's not just a quote unquote glorified soccer player. Like he said he was, he's someone who this is the field he sought out to be the best at. Yeah. It wasn't of convenience. It was, here's where I want to be. One well, and him talking about, um, you know, winter conditioning and being in the weight room and, and, and doing what he felt he needed to do to earn respect from teammates. Yeah. Um, like he, he he was essentially forcing himself into the team, like yeah. making himself um, present, making himself an equal. Um, just I can't even imagine the amount of respect that he that he generated with that just that mentality, um, you know, from from his teammates. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, you you have to you have to be at a certain point in your career to be working as a technician, like to be working on the minutia and and really fine tuning your craft. Um, and so for him to be to that point, you know, as a, what, a junior in yep. college, um, is very exciting because yeah, just he's, he's built himself up. Um, he has his goal in mind and he's doing everything that he possibly can to, to get to where he wants to go, yep. which is a very lofty goal. Um, and it, he's seems to have the, the talent, the mindset, the character to to get there sure and then to to take it one step further and to wear number 18 in honor Ah, of brook manager and to put that accountability on himself again this comes back to players being accountable is how you establish a winning culture and it's not about winning on the field it's about winning in life and on the field is part of that life so obviously it's going to translate to wins there but it also translates to living a life the way that brook lived living a a life of of giving a life of transparency a life of just love for your fellow man, that sort of thing. Like all of these things kind of coming together to hear this reverence for the past and to, and to hear it in a way of not, we're not celebrating championships of the past. We're celebrating the people of the past who've come through and what they've meant to others. Um, 
that's, that's a new type of accountability. And that's a new type of reverence for the past that we haven't quite seen. Um, and I think that's the things that we need to celebrate. That's the things that, again, elevate college football to the greatest sport, in my opinion, because it is about the people. It is about the stories. It is about elevating these guys who are walk-ons, who are, you know, they're, they're guys who were never going to get a shot anywhere else. And they come and they get a moment of glory. And then they can use that to continue their lives onward and, and, and do great things because they had that opportunity. And so yeah. like all of that thing comes together and, and it's just, it's all the reasons. And I'm sure I'm just rambling at this point. That's no, okay. I've got, I've got goosebumps. Cause I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's all the reasons that we love it. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's what's so fun about spring ball is there's no consequences come tomorrow in, in that sense. Everything they do obviously pays off in the fall, but for right now, like we can just enjoy it and we can celebrate it. And we've got a guy who is at the helm who appreciates that as well. Yeah. Well, well said. Yeah. There we go. Drew, before we move on, I think it's good that we take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show know Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. And we are back after a little break for ourselves, and hopefully it wasn't too long for you either, but uh, it's time for us to talk about what we're drinking. And here, we've, we've shifted away from beer. I found a, a nice bottle of a uh, locally finished, an Omaha finished whiskey called Golden Sheaf. There's a really cool history behind this brand of, of whiskey. It was a pre-prohibition whiskey, and now they've uh, brought back, revitalized the, the brand itself. And uh, it's putting Omaha like a little blip. I wouldn't say it's put it on the map, but it's a blip on the whiskey world's radar. Uh, we've got a couple of distilleries here in like Brickway and Cut Spike and Soldier Valley who are making some, some whiskeys in state. This is a blend of Indiana and Kentucky whiskeys, but this has been finished in a port cask. Uh, it's a singular batch. They only made 300 bottles of this. I was fortunate enough to snag a bottle. Dang. We decided let's make some old fashions out of it. Yeah. Drew, do you want to tell the story of why you like old fashions at my house? Because they're free <laughs> <laughs> and they're delicious. Well, and they've got a cherry. And they have from they have the real, yeah, these the real. The Luxardo Maraschino cherries. Yeah, 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 not the cheap ones that you get in the big you know, yeah. gallon tubs. I, I wouldn't put this on top of a Sunday, this cherry yeah. or this drink. Well, maybe it might be, <laughs> might be good. Some sort of like Sunday affogato Friday. with yeah, yeah whiskey, but yeah. So we're just drinking a, uh, a nice old fashioned with this golden sheaf pork cask finish. Uh, the recipe or, or spec for you nerds out there is two ounces of whiskey with a uh, half an ounce of <laughs> two to one Demerara syrup. Uh, a couple of dashes of Angostura bitters and then a squeeze of orange peel. It's delightful. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm excited to see what Golden Chief comes out with. You know, obviously yeah. w- whiskey, bourbon, all that stuff takes a few years. Yeah. And we were talking about that because I because I don't know a lot about um, liquor in general. Uh, whiskey makes me angry, so <laughs> I steer steer clear generally. But uh, um, but so yeah. So the fact that they, I was you know I was curious like why are they bringing it in? You know. Um, and then, you know, what's the whole thing about finishing it here in the casks and so on and so forth. Um, so it's always nice to get to try something new. I get a little education from you. Um, and it, and it's another local product that, um, it's very high quality and, and yeah. it's a lot of fun to, to experience and, and, 
the other nice thing about you know something like this is you can you can experiment with it and and make your own recipes and stuff and yeah. so if you think I talk cool. a lot about football, ask me what craft cocktail <laughs> I'm working on this week. And if you're interested, do it. And, and, and Ben will I give you. I just feel like you'll hear just high pitch, like <laughs> in your ear. You'll be like, I, I asked him too many. I asked him three questions. I should have stuck with one. As so. long as long as you continue to feed me drinks as we're discussing it, we can go all day. Perfect. Well, I feel like maybe we, we might start having like a cocktail of the week, depending on how the season goes in in the fall. We'll. We'll see what uh, what we put on that back half because we have made cocktails with beer and we've had them. Yeah, and they're fantastic. The cosmic eye tie. Yeah, I made a mai tai out of a cosmic mm. eye beer, and boy howdy, was that good. That so was beautiful. Who knows what else we'll come up with? But this golden sheaf, if you guys have a chance to try it in a restaurant, if you guys have a chance to to find a bottle, they make them in very limited runs. This one, like I said, was a three hundred bottle batch. Uh, this is <laughs> batch one of their whiskey, which is really cool to have. Um, I'm proudly gonna display this out i love anything local and so to get an, an amazing product like this coming locally is 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 always a, a find and a treat and something that i'm i mean I, whiskey's fun to drink but it's so much better to share so i'm, I'm just glad that you're able to 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 enjoy the, enjoy the first pour with me so uh, me too <laughs> so golden sheaf check them out if you can find them um but let's let's transition this over to a place that doesn't serve alcohol and that is memorial stadium not yet or, yeah not yet it's gonna get there it's getting there it has to be baby steps. That's that's my spring game preview. Just serve alcohol. I don't care what you. <laughs> I never want the product on the field to be bad enough where we need it, but I just want to know that it's there. <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. There you I go. like that. Yeah. So spring game preview, Drew. It's coming up soon this weekend. This upcoming weekend. Yeah. What are some of the things that you are? I'm two that things that you are. You know, yeah. <laughs> who am I? Who are you? The two things that I am most excited about. Um, one. It's a live contact practice for everyone, including quarterbacks. Um, getting to see guys going 100%, you know, full on. Getting to see quarterbacks reacting to the pressure um, is going to be exciting. It's going to feel like a real game because I because this is the point in the off season where it's like okay, like there's you you had the the recruiting. Um, you know, days that there was, that was exciting there. And, and, and now, you know, spring practice is, is all about us and you got the spring game to look forward to. And I always feel like with the spring game, as exciting as it is, because it's just sort of like oasis in the desert of the off season, it feels flat because it's a practice. And so to, to have them go live and then also uh, Matt Rule said he wants it to be a competition. It's going to be competitive and hopefully be a real game. Like, not these weird like uh, defense scores, you know, two points for a sack and, sure. and so on and so sure, forth. Sure. It's like it's a real f- format of a game. Um, it could look like the real deal, and so to have something like that to look forward to and, and do experience and to watch could make it just that much more exciting than a standard spring game. Yeah. So the the big thing I'm looking forward to is offensive identity and seeing what does that look like early on. Obviously, they're not going to show all their cards, and it's 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 more of a like a practicum for what they've worked on all, all season and just kind of that, that finished product of like, Hey, here's the result of what we've been working on this spring. But when I say identity, I don't necessarily mean for the offense as a whole. What I'm looking forward to is seeing how does the identity change quarterback to quarterback? Because we've heard a lot of talk about based on who's in, we're going to change the way that this team looks. And, and I feel like the past few years when we've had quarterbacks injured, we've tried to stay with our existing offense instead of playing to strengths. 
And that's kind of Satterfield's calling card, right? Is like adjusting to the strengths. If you've got talented tight ends, we're going to call some sets that benefit those guys. We're going to call runs that incorporate and passing game incorporates those tight ends. He did that at South Carolina successfully. And, and so I'm just curious, how does that change based on the quarterbacks? Because you look at our quarterback room and it's a bunch of different styles of quarterbacks, right? Like we've had coaching changes over the past five years. And so we've had guys recruited in the pro style, the RPO, these run first quarterbacks, these aerial assault, like it's, it's a whole group of guys. And so I just want to see how that plays out and, and where guys excel and, and that sort of thing. Um, from the quarterback room specifically, I know we kind of teased talking about that maybe on the last half of this episode or the first half of this episode, but I'm very excited for Harburg to see kind of how he evolves. It looks like he's going to be a real key player in this offense moving forward, whether that's as a number two guy or if that's potentially as a starter in certain situations. He just sounds like a rough and tumble kind of Nebraska kid, and I'm excited for him to be highlighted as an athlete, yeah, not just as a quarterback. I think, yeah, that's that's kind of the big talking point with him is that Guys are guys are saying coaches are saying that he's one of the best athletes on the team, and so that's because I don't play football. If, <laughs> <laughs> but if you know if 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 the quarterback situation doesn't work out, um, you know, it, is a position change, you know, in the future for him, or or, or are they going to try to find a way to get him on the field, um, utilize him in special packages, um, at at quarterback or any position really? Sure. So. Um, yeah, that that will that will be interesting to see if if they do, um, you know, mix things up a little bit based on who's who's taking the snaps. Because yeah. again, it'll it'll probably be very vanilla in general. Um, but it, yeah, it might be fun. Maybe they will throw in a few wrinkles. Yeah, you know, here and there. The other thing that I'm looking forward to offensively, at least, is seeing how this offensive line attacks. You know, we we heard a lot about how uh, Rayola has a specific style and how he is best suited as a coach, and that's to have a offensive line that is pushing the ball forward and is attacking and isn't trying to sit back and create protection. They're trying to move guys out of the way. And so I'm excited to see, especially with a coaching staff who I think everyone on the offensive staff has like coached the offensive line at some point in their career. Like how does that uh, manifest itself this early on? And are we going to see the foundation of what this could look like in the fall? I think that's another really exciting thing to look forward to. Yeah. And I I think having it be live and, and these guys lining up, they know their quarterback can get hit. And and the the guys on the other side of the ball, um, they're on the same team, but they're they're gonna want to show up and show out, and and you know they're gonna want to lay down some lumber. Yeah. And so there is serious pressure on the offensive line to get their job done. Um. And so I think that's gonna be greatly beneficial beneficial to them, um, in terms of just uh, uh, playing at that that full speed, playing at a hundred percent, playing under pressure. And so, yeah, that'll be that'll be exciting to see. I'll be interested to see how they rotate guys through. I know, um, like Ben Scott has been uh, injured; he's been dinged up a little bit. Um, and so, uh, who was it? Justin Jenkins, I think, was the guy that was filling in at center. And so, uh, it sounds like he did a good job. But yeah. just seeing how they rotate guys on that offensive line will be fun. Um, and they and the quarterbacks, um, I think Jeff Sims specifically said that that uh, that the offensive line was doing a tremendous job. Of blocking for the pass, of blocking for the run, um, of of doing what kind of Rayola envisioned them doing as far as that attacking offensive line goes, and so yeah, it, it'll be it'll be nice to see, um, you know, what that looks like this this early in the in the off season. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big question mark, right? That's a big question mark to how do you succeed in the Big Ten West? You got to have a solid offensive line, and this staff is full of guys who've who've coached that. 
guys who've played that, guys who have excelled in that area. And so I'm just looking forward to seeing how that comes together and just how maybe the changing coaching philosophy helps elevate that that line. Because there's a lot of highly touted guys that came in and, and you know, really great recruits that came in and just haven't evolved in the way that I think they wanted to. And so I'm just excited for them to have that opportunity under a new coaching staff to maybe seek their full potential and beyond. And that really excites me on that front. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another guy we haven't even mentioned yet, Eric Gilbert. I'm just excited to see that. I mean, I did mention him, but thanks for listening. Okay. Yeah. I don't. Really early on. Yeah. It was like four hours ago. Okay. (laughs) For our, for our listeners, (laughs) it was four hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see and if if, if Thomas Fedoni is going. Oh um, yeah, and, yeah. Seeing those guys on the field um, is going to be very excited. Exciting. Uh, they'll probably be excited too. Though they might yeah. be. Yeah. They might be looking forward to it a little yeah. bit. You know, playing in front of a uh, you know fifty sixty thousand people. Um, we talked about running backs already. Yeah. Excited about that rotation. Um, yeah. What awesome. else? What do you got? I don't know. Defense. De- defense. Um, it's going to be a plain Jane scheme. Um, defensive line is going to be interesting. Uh, I feel like they've got some good guys up in the middle in Nash and, uh, Ty Robinson. Yeah. Stephen Wynn. Um, the, the edges is going to be probably the big thing. And then with Tony white, with his scheme linebackers are, they feel like that's the, that's the linchpin, right? That's the thing that's kind of holding it together. And so, Seeing who steps up in the middle, who steps up on the edge, um, will be, I think, key to how, how successful this defense is. Sure. And so, just seeing who gets the playing time, who comes in as the ones, who's getting rotated, who's, um, w- what they're being asked to do, you know, um, especially like the jack position, like MJ Sherman or uh, uh, Jamari Butler. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a new defense. Is it? It's a three. What three three five three? Right. Three three five. Yeah. So that makes 11. <laughs> I'm good at math. Math adds up. I know that uh, 160 proof is 160 proof. <laughs> what are you trying to do? Drive a car? <laughs> 120 proof. 120, 120. I know that adds up pretty quick. Yeah, it does. You know, your, your uh, overall point of view of, of I, I'm just excited to have football. It's kind of how I'm viewing the defense right now. Cause again, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like I, guys are just going to go out. They're going to play. They're going to hit their assignments. Um, that's that's what I'm looking forward to is just seeing the defense in action, seeing these guys because I feel like there was a, a good amount of turnover in the defense, and so we're getting this new. And I'm just excited to see how they meld. How does this defense work together? We've got some great quarterbacks and great linebackers. Uh, you mentioned a defensive line that I thought was coming on strong near the uh, back half of the of the season last year, and so I'm excited to see how those guys mesh with their new teammates and how that all comes together. So for the defense, I'm not looking so much like I am with the offense of of what is going to be the specifics? How are things going to differ? Because um, Tony White's got a defense where you don't show your cards, right? Everything rotates in and out and guys are coming at you from all different angles. And um, so if he's talking about simplifying things down and making sure guys are in the right space, you're right. It's going to be kind of vanilla maybe on Saturday. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot because that is an advantage that Nebraska has with a defense that's not really prevalent in the Big Ten. So let's let's hold that back, but let's see guys kind of ball out let's see your Malcolm Hartzogs and um, your MJ Shermans and uh, your Newsoms like just have fun show off their athleticism and, and give those wide receivers a tough time like I want to see those battles I want to see coach McGuire uh, rub off on the wide receivers uh, and I want to see coach Cooper you know rub off on the secondary I want to see that kind of cocky having fun 
balling out, enjoying the Saturday afternoon and, and showing out in front of a, a nice big crowd that's bigger than Colorado's. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we do have the right um, ingredients for a fun spring game. Yeah, we've got an it's we've got an offense l- that we know competitive needs to take a step forward. We got a defense that has a lot of great players on it. Yeah, um, that is going to be doing a lot of basic stuff, but hopefully just showing off their athleticism on the defensive side. Yeah, yeah. So in special teams, um, I want I want them to kick sixty five yard field goals <laughs> and down everything within the five. And I want to see some I want to see some punt returns. That's what I want to see. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Do you think that they will do live if, special teams if they're going to let quarterbacks get hit? Why would you not? I don't know. I just like for some reason to me that seems like a like a like a step too far. And I don't know why. Like lighting up your punt returner, like you want to you want to let Billy Kemp just get fucking laid out on a on a punt return and they can't t- they can't catch late him. Late April? They can't <laughs> they can't touch him. <laughs> they, they can't catch him. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Probably don't not. Know. I yeah, I feel like I feel like that's the Maybe maybe that's the one place where they're like, okay, look, like kickoffs, not like we're just gonna we'll kick it, but there's no return. Punts, we'll punt it. We're gonna try to let our punters place it and pan them deep, but we're not gonna return it. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Maybe not. Okay. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Wily old Ed Foley, what he's got up his sleeve. I don't know. You've gone soft. You're, <laughs> yeah, that's right. you're you're fine with lighting up our quarterback room, but you're like, we've got like six starting quarterbacks. We're okay there. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm looking forward to. But like you said, most of all, I'm just looking forward to football. Oh yeah, just yeah. looking forward to it. And the sad thing is, is that after the spring game, it all that we have left is baseball. Yeah. Well, I like baseball, but my Phillies I are. I don't hold it against you it up. that you like the MLB. But what's up? It's a long, long summer after that. It really is. It just I don't know. It's not something that I necessarily look forward to. I know. Um. So I think we have a we have a transfer window that opens up. Um, it's open soon. It is open now. Yeah. Okay. Because three Colorado players immediately transfer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't I can't wait to, I can't wait for that Colorado game. Try to one way or another, it's going to be rowdy and it's going to be it's going to be fun. You want to go? No. Okay. Yeah, I no. don't want to get killed. Yeah, I don't. I don't do want to get my car smashed in. Yeah, that's that's the bigger thing is. I don't want to have to rent a car in Colorado so that I don't get my tires slashed or people pissing on my vehicle or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't I don't know if Boulder is really the same Boulder that it was in the 90s, but man, Colorado fans are sure coming out of the woodwork. So for I, for a couple years, they're yeah. going to go right back in. I <laughs> I can't promise Look at, it, but So here's here's the thing, right? It goes one of two ways. It either goes terribly and he's gone. Yeah. Or it goes really well. And he's gone. You think so? You don't think this is his? This isn't the pinnacle of his coaching career, right here. Like this isn't his. No, his final. No, no, Colorado. No. Come on, it's Colorado, Rocky Mountain High. Yeah. Okay. It might have Beautiful the highest Boulder. elevation of his <laughs> of his career, but it's not the be all end all. Oh man, it's entertaining from it is an very entertaining perspective. It is very entertaining. I don't want to talk trash though, because they do have us the last two games. Yep. Uh, but I do yeah. want to talk trash, and the the trash talking will come. Yeah, it will get here. Soon I feel enough. like. Do you think that? Because um, Matt Rule has said stuff where it's like he he's never specifically called out Colorado, but it's like 
on like it's it's Colorado, right? Like he's talking about Colorado, I mean, but he plays it in such a way where he's it's like very good at it. He's incredible. Yeah, incredible at it. And it's like I don't know if I can really say that he's talking about Colorado, but I'm pretty sure he's talking about. It. And then we're all, I'm looking around. I'm like, is, it, is I'll he be honest, about Colorado? I think he might be talking more so if he's talking anything. He's talking about Minnesota. He's a very here's who's in front of us, and I think the Minnesota game. Yeah. Do yeah. you think I see? And then the other the other part of me is like. No, like he doesn't. He's he's got blinders on. Like he is an absolutely like dialed in coach. Like he's focused on his team. So he's, maybe he's just no. He's too savvy. Yeah, <laughs> to be it on to like be it. to show up on the WWE wrestling match down in Lincoln and like throw the bones <laughs> and chant "Go Big Red" with the players and stuff like that. And you know, to be if that doesn't scream focused on your football team, I'm just saying no. he's very savvy. Yeah, he he is very he understands the media game very well. And so when he says some some fun stuff. It's yeah, that's it what is. he's getting at. It's fun. I have one more question for you. Okay. So there's been some conversation, and this isn't Nebraska specific, but there's just been conversation around it's college okay. football. This podcast not Nebraska specific, so literally everything we do yeah. on this podcast <laughs> is about Nebraska. I don't know if you knew that. Well, not this next question. What if Nebraska? <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about the possibility of spring games being against other teams? Yes, please. Yes. Just a single exhibition. Yep. If it could be, um, get get rid of FCS competition games and pay FCS teams to come in and scrimmage against you. Oh, so get rid of your cupcake game. Yep. Get rid of the cupcake game. Yeah. Make it a cupcake spring game. You still pay them a check. Like, still give them money. They still get to come in. They play in that environment. Um, it's another team. It's you can make it competitive. You can make it live. Whatever agreement those two schools need to come to, um, sell sell tickets like you would for whatever price people are willing to pay. Um, it's essentially a, it's another game. It's another fucking game. You know what I mean? And so and it and it preserves the uh, I don't know com- competitive sanctity of a season where you're actually playing against people in your division. Sure. And it also still helps those other schools that don't have the big budget. Yeah. And it gives those kids the opportunity to come to historic venues. Yeah. So what you're saying is go through spring ball with the FCS teams, Uh bring the FCS teams in and then open the transfer portal. (laughs) (laughs) Some of those kids don't even have to go home. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the buses will leave half empty because they found a guy that could make 30 tackles (laughs) In one game. Yeah. Um, yeah I like no, that I, idea. I love the idea of a competitive... I don't care who... It doesn't have to be FCS. I don't care who it is. Like, um, This is why I'm so excited about the game this year is because cause Matt, be Matt Rule says yeah. he wants it to be competitive because he wants it to look like football because he wants guys to have live reps. Um, you know, I, I'm all, I am all for, you know, player safety. Like, I really am. Um, but... I think that part of that... That's a big butt. That butt is carrying a heavy load. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. I'm for player safety. And I think that being physical in practice and getting live reps can actually make it safer because you're you're learning how to handle yourself in that situation. You're learning how to play with live ammo. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So I think I think it would be awesome to have live games. Is is that? Are you on the same? Yeah, page? I agree with you, hundred yeah? percent. Okay, yeah. you're not like like yeah, shaking up. No, fist I, at I hadn't heard the the FCS idea. I I love that. I, uh, I trademark would, it. 
So Oh, hold on. Let me any... press the trademark button. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry, wrong one. Um, I, yeah, I love it. I love that idea. I, I would love the idea of using that as leverage to add another conference game. You know, you get rid of, uh, of the FCS game and you bring in some other Power 5, Group of 5 teams so you get some cool new opponents and then you can add on another another conference game. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's inching one step closer to, you know, the power five conglomerate or the, 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 you know, you've got a 64 team, 72 team or whatever it happens to be that are all playing for the same prize. 72 is too much. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of numbers divisible by eight. eight. I don't know. So, um, I've got a question for you. Okay. Sort of not connected, but over or or, (laughs) let me get this out. Right. (laughs) It's 180 proof right there, buddy. <laughs> Over under one and a half goal line carries for Eric Gilbert at the fullback position this year. This year? Yeah. Oh, man. One and a half. One and a half. I'm going to say he is. I'm going to take the over on that. I'm going to take the over and, and I'll tell you why. I could see them lining up with him in the fullback position and you get late in a game where we need that little extra decoy. And you're going to put him in, and I so, so I think early on he's going to score a few, and then teams are going to think, oh, the ball's going to him, and then he's the lead blocker. Yeah. So I think it's going to come early. I think that's a great tool to have early, um, and I think that could be a nice surprise early on that we do the fullback handoff instead of going to the halfback. Um. So yeah, I definitely see it because then then it's like, who really like you're going to let this 270 pound <laughs> six foot eight guy come downhill at me? <laughs> I yeah. just think of the poor as a runner or a blocker. Yeah, either way, he's. I mean, we went from uh, Chance Brewington leading these tight end blocks to now we've got Eric Gilbert, and it's like if Brewington could do it with a full head of steam, can you imagine putting Gilbert in motion? An athletic guy like that, yeah. And I just wanted to talk about it. We hadn't talked about the fullback at all. So oh yeah, so. I think that's going to be fun to see too. Is is see how that's weaponized? Who? Yeah, yeah. and who fills those shoes? I think we got a few guys who can do it. Yeah, no, they've got guys on the roster and they're rotating them through. It's just going to be. Interesting to see who makes that move. Yeah. Lots of stuff to look forward to, man. Lots yes. of stuff. And we yeah. get to come back and talk about it next week. We'll talk about uh, we'll the spring to the game, game. And, and give our thoughts on that. So yeah. that does it for this episode of Wannabe Walk-Ons. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the drop on all of our bonus episodes arriving at random Tuesdays during the off season at 11 a.m. Thanks for catch, <laughs> catch all those directions. <laughs> Just whenever we feel wow. like it. Thanks for bearing with us through this episode and all the others. Uh, Make sure to join us regularly starting in July for the 2023 Husker football season. We want to thank all our listeners, both new and long time, uh, for tuning in. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer or local whiskey if it happens to be, wherever you are. If you have any breweries you'd like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to tell us where to drink next. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Sports Network Production.